The Deep Analysis Podcast. special one for you today. In fact, it's a two-parter where we have an extended conversation with Bernadette Nixon, the CEO of Alfresco. And uh, just to be clear here, this is not an endorsement of Alfresco. Uh, None of our podcasts are endorsements of anybody. But uh, it's a really great thing when we get to have uh, time just to talk about the future of our industry and really, um, you know, some real-world reflections of what's going on today. And Bernadette was great uh, in that regard, and I think you'll enjoy what's coming up. We talk about the cloud, we talk about AI, we talk about women in tech, and we talk about uh, what does the future look like for ECM and BPM. So, Bernadette in the house. Here we go. So, Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast, Deep Analysis Podcast. Um, we've had a, you know, we've been running this now for, I think, a year and a half, ah. a year and a half now, I think. Um, it must be coming up to that. And I think this is a really interesting one because obviously, I, I you know, I've worked with Alfresco. I know Alfresco reasonably well, but obviously I work with everybody else as well. So, you know, different perspective, multiple lenses, sure. if that makes sense. But what I thought would be great if we could uh, just find out a bit about yourself today, and discuss really you know, where is this, whatever this industry is going, mm-hmm. because it does seem to be at a bit of an inflection point. Mm. With that, I did want to sort of uh, start off a little bit with, and I don't want to get too political here, but <laughs> you're one of the few women in senior positions in our industry. I mean, um, I don't know if you know her, but Whitney, uh, Whitney Boak, who was uh, a box and documentum, mm. and now she's um, the CEO of HelloSign, who I know very well. I mean, very few women in senior positions in the ECM, BPM industry. Are you going to do something about that? <laughs> well, I'm pleased to say that a large portion of uh, my leadership team is also women. Excellent. And not by design, mm. because given some of my roots, going back to when I worked at the United Nations where there was a quota for absolutely everything. I'm much more of a, it's a meritocracy. And so we get the best person for the job. Um, But my CMO is a woman. My uh, chief customer success officer is a woman. My uh, chief people and culture officer who starts uh, next month with us is a woman. So um, it just happens that I found a really good leadership team and a bunch of them happen to be women. So. You know, and that's probably the emphasis that I have is we got to look for the best people for the jobs. But I think we've got to be open because as long as you get, you know, too many people that are alike, you get groupthink and that's not good. It's not good for a business. It's not good for society. No, it's not. And but I, I think what I've always found fascinating is as an analyst and advisor, I mean, I, sp- I sort of split my t- I mean, it's not technically split this way, but, I, you know, I speak to as many enterprises as I do vendors, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in fact, probably more enterprises, actually, than, than vendors. And what I'm always fascinated by is when I'm talking to enterprises, it's very often a woman in a leadership role managing information in organizations. Mm. And yet on the vendor side, 
hardly ever. So don't want to go too far down that path, but it's an interesting one. I think I, I look forward to, to more changes in that space because I think, as you said, it can become groupthink. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think also if, if there's one finger that's pointed at our industry over the years is not designing applications that really work in the workplace. So there is a disjoint there as well. Yeah. But 10 years ago, I mean, you, know, you and I have been in this industry a long time. Mm-hmm. And you were with, uh, you were with OpenTouch, you were with SDL, you've been with Alfresco a while. Metastorm. Metastorm. Mm-hmm. There's a blast from the past. Yes. I wrote a technical evaluation of Metastorm many years ago. <laughs> there we go. And, um, you know, I was just thinking, I mean, one of the things I think that's maybe the most dramatic change is 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if we were talking about an ECM or a BPM project, we were talking of millions, and we were talking of a project that could, that would uh, claim it was going to be up and running in six months, and never was. It was like a year or two years. I mean, how's that change? I mean, how how do you perceive that change and deal with that, Alfresa? Because I mean, it's a very different world today. It is, and it's something that I've actually. I mean, I've been in the BPM space, gosh, since two thousand and ten, and it's something that I've been passionate about since probably gosh 2012 Mm. um and that is that it it was when you talked about bpm or ecm back in back in those days it was multiple millions and the reality was it was multiple years Mm -hmm. and i thought that the industry was doing um you know the customers a huge disservice because it was a a one size fits all approach yeah and that's fine if you've got a big honking process that is controlling your manufacturing process or your supply chain or your you know your customer but there are many many processes that has content associated with them that are very small mm. and so what i've traditionally seen is a huge backlog in both the process and the content space where there's a huge portion of an enterprise or an organization that is very unhappy and dissatisfied with the technology that they have chosen because they're the unserved masses that are just not getting a look in and the reality is they don't get a look in because they can't afford to spend multiple years and multiple incremental millions on an implementation to get the value they Mm. want something quick Mm. and that's philosophically Um, But it fundamentally comes from the belief that um, organizations are looking to be nimble. (laughs) Mm. So I've been in an IT organization uh, in a previous life. And whenever the business was trying to pivot, then it was very hard for us to be able to do that because we were a product of our history. Mm. And so therefore, what organizations are looking for now is is they want to be able to be more nimble. They want to be able to pivot uh, quicker in response to market demands. And let's face it, the market's moving quicker than it ever has been before. So today, people don't wake up and say, hey, I need a new ECM or BPM system. They There's much more connective tissue, I think, between IT and the business. And the unifying factor is around digital transformation. And so mm. what we see is... Um, we see a lot of process-led transformation and those processes invariably have content. I mean, one of the best examples that I've seen recently is a um, contract, global contract um, clothing manufacturer. 
and they had a 42 week process that was run on spreadsheets that was unwieldy and it was making them uncompetitive i mean they're a public company i won't mention their name but you can look at their financials and they were they were tanking and it's because they weren't able to respond to their customers quickly enough 42 weeks to mm. design a new line i mean you're not talking dior here mm. so it was it was not fit for purpose so as a consequence we helped them reduce that down to um five weeks five to six weeks we got them implemented in 55 days we like to say live in 55 mm. now not every customer is going to have that experience but the but for them to be successful if you think about it contract clothing manufacturer there's a process there as the backbone but instead of the, one of the ways that you shrink from 42 weeks down to five or six is you have a fabric library mm. instead of them wandering out to the warehouse mm. you know every you know day to go look at fabric and you know been a very laborious process so that's just content to us so we have a fabric library so that's an example of process-led transformation but that's a combination of content and process coming together so there's definitely a unification i think that's happening so, I, so the the content and process thing, so i'm with you i mean you know when i started as an analyst my job title was document management and workflow analyst <laughs> there we go dates me but I, no i'm with you i've always believed content and process together is mm. what it's all about but I think, you know, you touched on an interesting point there. I mean, there's, there's sort of two worlds today, I think, with ECM, right? We've got the, the one which, uh, frankly, takes up a lot of our time at Deep Analysis, which is wonderful because it pays the bills. But it's great, big, huge, stonking legacy implementations, hundreds of millions, sometimes billions mm -hmm. of files. So there's that world. But you touched on it there. There's a perception sometimes, I think, um, and I'll say it, I mean, I think some other analyst firms and uh, and pundits and whatever um, seem to think that ECM is is, is dead, mm -hmm. right? Clearly not. <laughs> um, it's clearly not. It's still generating a lot of money and it's still very big. But there's a perception also that everything's now digitized. Mm -mm. And yet, not at all. when I walk into organizations, when you walk into mm -hmm. them by the sound of it, you'd think nothing much had happened in the last 20 years, right? So I'm just interested in that sort of moving the the paper-based manual processes, which, again, I think some people in ivory towers think was sorted years ago. It, it's not. I mean, where's the focus for Alfresco between those two, sort of two worlds? Those, you know, those great big insurance companies or whatever they are, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or government departments, and those leaner, meaner. I've got to fix this. Yeah, we when we're having those conversations with um, with companies or with government agencies, they're typically coming to us and they're talking about one of those types of things. Mm. They've either got a burning issue, a burning problem like that one that I was talking about with the contract uh, clothing manufacturer, or they're at some sort of an inflection point of, um, quite often with their infrastructure. Moving to the cloud is the mm -hmm. obvious one mm. right now. And as they move to the cloud, it's not just all about SaaS. Mm -hmm. You know, an insurance company, they've got policies, they've got claims. That's, you know, they need to do something with that stuff. But what they do is when they're moving to the cloud, they look left and they look right and they go, that legacy system is not going to be able to come with me. So that provides the inflection point for them to look at their platform. Mm -hmm. So they're either in the, the, the camp of, I've got a burning customer business problem I have to solve, 
or I know that long term I've got a platform issue here that I need to solve. And then they're, they're often looking for the modern platform that is either cloud native or as close to it as you can get uh, without getting vendor lock into a cloud provider. Um, and so in those types of situations, the discussions that we're in are very different. Mm. It's not about redesigning a process from 42 weeks down to six. It's about can the horsepower of your platform satisfy what we're doing? We're actually doing a benchmark right now with um, a major international bank. And I think we're up to, um, I think we're up to four and a half billion uh, documents on ingest, search, retrieval, records management, all of that sort of stuff um, in a highly regulated environment with very, um, very stringent performance requirements and we're nailing it. So it, they're very different types mm. of conversations that we do get involved in at opposite ends of the spectrum like that. But cloud obviously plays a role in both types of conversations at either end. And, you know, it's been interesting for me. I mean, you know, not just Alfresco. I mean, all of the ECM vendors, BPM vendors that I've looked at over the years. Um, you know, we went through this. Actually, no, it's better on premises. Oh, well, if you really want the cloud, you can have this hybrid approach. And it feels, I'll, I'll go further. I'm absolutely convinced. Never mind, it feels to me. That's, that's changing. I think over the next five, 10 years, it is going to be the cloud. Um, there, are, there are instances where, and there always will be, yep. where you sh actually know that should stay on premises. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, if you were going to sell a great big documentum system from 2000 or whatever, there's no way yeah. that would sell today. Oh. I don't see it. I mean, and, and Amazon, um, I mean, we've just been doing a lot of research on this, we've got paper coming out soon, but uh, Amazon seems to be head and shoulders, frankly above the other options and i know you guys mm -hmm. at alfresco sort of hooked up with amazon why i mean other than i mean because you know it's not like google and microsoft don't have strong brand names or ibm or oracle or whatever i mean but amazon just seems to be the logical choice for people when they're thinking content yeah. you know so i mean we we're an amazon first yeah. shop ourselves um not amazon exclusively but mm. amazon first um they're just the they're just the eight hundred pound gorilla. They got mm. a start before the rest, yeah. took it more seriously than the rest, and have the scale and breadth of services that the others don't quite have as yet. And plus, they've got the market momentum, mm. um, not to be underestimated at all. But that said, we do see um, Azure um, growing aggressively, and so what we often find and what we see out there is that companies want to have a dual cloud strategy. Mm -hmm. um, when you dig under the covers a little bit more on that, what you quite often find is people are going with Azure for the office apps, yeah. and then they're going with AWS for anything that's compute yeah. intensive. Yeah. It's kind of the delineation that I see. And we see a few customers that are uh, going with Google, but probably those that are a bit more focused on AI and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, so we're seeing something very similar. I mean, um, in fact, it's pretty much exactly what we're seeing, never mind pretty similar. Um, I mean, I'm going to be honest, we're not really finding anybody who's going the Google way, but... I think I can think of two. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it's, it's <laughs> Literally. very small. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think possibly there's trust issues there and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But um, but with Amazon, I think what's what's been interesting for me is the last sort of two years of deep analysis 
you know, when we launched, we were focusing on, you know, emerging tech. You know, what's the future of ECM, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. right? So um, that doesn't mean we don't talk about the past of it, but what's the future of it, which is AI, cloud, blockchain, etc. Mm-hmm. Blockchain, I'm a big believer in, but that's a big long-term thing. We get sure. that. Everybody's talking about AI, mm-hmm. really struggling to find anybody who's really doing it. Um, but I think that's a learning curve to some degree. But with the cloud, so we come back to AI, but with the cloud, I mean, what I'm seeing is is very reflective of what you're seeing. However, I'm seeing people just lifting and shifting and dumping everything into the cloud. And you mentioned all the services which Amazon offers and mm-hmm. the others offer, and those are really very impressive. But if you just lifted and shifted and dumped a pile of rubbish data, that's a. Ch- I mean, are you yeah. seeing that with clients? We again, we see two camps. Yeah. Um, we see those organisations that are perhaps under a time deadline um, from executive management to get mm. out of their data centres and get into the cloud, um, in a virtual private cloud, and those guys are doing lifting and shifting. Mm. Um, you're right it's dangerous and you're not going to get you're not going to get the true benefits Mm. you may get cost savings that way for sure you close Mm. down a bunch of data centers but that's not the real driver behind most organizations going to the cloud these days Mm. they're doing it because they want to be more responsive and they want to be more nimble Mm. um as well and then secondarily is the price consideration uh over time so it's it's um i often say that the enlightened ones are taking the opportunity to look at how they move stuff over because if you're just doing a lift and shift you're not getting the benefits no. of the infrastructure um that can make you more nimble and more more agile for your business yeah and i think i mean so in our, in our research and again i'm just interested if you're seeing something similar i mean you know maybe uh you know nine months ago i could i could have written a paper that said uh, amazon is the future of ecm and i think there's some truth to that However, um, I, in my interactions with Amazon, who, which have been very positive and very good, and they've mm-hmm. been great to me, and, uh, and, and thank you very much, Amazon. Um, very few people at Amazon have a clue about ECM, BPM, the potential of it. They're really big data people. So there's a, there's a platform there, but the potential of it just seems to be underestimated both by amazon and by a lot of enterprises so it just feels like yes it's happening but we could end up with you as you said it a vendor lock-in i've got two billion files i've got, now got two billion files they're no better than they were before yep. i'm paying a different bill yeah yeah and i think the only benefit that you could potentially get in that instance is actually applying some of the cloud providers ai in Mm. that instance because what you've done is you've done a consolidation and you've therefore made it easier to then run the ai engine let's say if you're in an amazon world it would be either SageMaker Mm. or uh, recognition or or, um, comprehend so at least you've got stuff all in one place and you can gain some garner some intelligence by by the ai stuff that you could run against that um but you're right. I mean, it, it could just be another big data lake that mm. you, you know, you, same as you're old. That's why what we um, what we recommend from a best practice perspective when we're looking at companies that are doing 
um, major migrations is yes look if you're under a major time constraint mm -hmm. sure do the the bulk migration mm -hmm. um and we do that's why we end up doing benchmarks mm -hmm. but even if you're going to do that you have to take the next step which is really the intelligent um yeah. putting the intelligence behind it so we have some other customers that don't do the bulk migration but migrate upon access now it's a longer process so it's it depends what you're trying to drive for if you're trying to drive for taking cost out of your system the longer migration probably doesn't doesn't play to what you're looking for but what you get is you get a more streamlined set of content over in your new environment that you know is is applicable for your business today and frankly talking about taking advantage of some of the services available then you can make intelligent decisions and what we like to call invisible records management because you can have the rules and ultimately the ai making those decisions for you around what do you put into sort of cold storage as in glacier <laughs> or what do you put mm -hmm. into you know s3 infrequent access because mm -hmm. once you start doing that your price point goes down mm -hmm considerably yeah, i mean you're looking at 80 80 80 odd percent savings if you're putting mm. stuff in glacier so it's interesting you brought up the records management thing because um the information governance correlation recently joined up with armor and i knew nick inglis and spoke at his conference and everything so and i'm a big fan of all of that but you know one of the big learnings that came out of those couple of years of pushing the whole information governance thing was nobody's really very interested <laughs> and you know and it does seem that the industry as a whole the records management industry if we can call it an industry profession whatever has been super slow to grasp the value of ai machine learning i mean i can understand maybe that they see it as a threat but it just does seem to be the logical way to go if you've got hundreds of millions of documents. I agree completely. I mean, I, I make a joke internally sometimes about uh, records management historically, I think has been a bit of a chocolate teapot. Mm. It looks very tasty, but it's not very practical. That's uh, very good. I like that. <laughs> um, but I, I think you're, I think you're, you're onto something, Alan, in that um, when you look at, I, I just look at cloud as being the enabler. So if you're a company that's leveraging a virtual private cloud, whether that's from AWS, Azure, or Google, or wherever, then it opens up possibilities. So like I said before, you've done consolidation, and then you can truly, if you don't just do that lift and shift, you apply the AI and you apply some of the, um, the rules, then you can get to a much lower price point. That's why at reInvent this year, which is the AWS mm. um, conference back in November in Vegas, uh, we launched um, Glacier support mm. for um, uh, for our customers because we figured that yes, they want the um, they want the um, the speed and the, the the better agility of moving to the cloud. But as table stakes, if they are doing a lift and shift, then why not at least take that one extra step of mm. taking advantage of, um, you know, Glacier or infrequent access and save some money uh, as, I, as just yeah. that, that next next half yeah. step, if you like. Yeah, I, I, mean, I totally agree. I mean, the very, I think it was the very first report we put out as deep analysis. I can't remember if, that, if it was that or the blockchain, but it was, was on file migration. And, you know, what was fascinating to us was that I mean, and I'm serious about this, when we really looked, because, you know, the first thing you do as an analyst is you check out what anybody else has written about this beforehand, mm -hmm. right? No point reinventing the wheel. Plus, maybe they've got some good ideas I can nick. I mean, you know, you want to do your research. We could find nothing. 
I mean, nothing. I mean, data migration, mm. you know, it's all nice and clean. Yeah, that, that was fine. But big file migration, we found nothing. What we did find was 54, 55 specialist vendors around the world who were doing this, right? So clearly there's, there's a disc, again, keep using that word, but clearly there's sort of a disconnect. But it was really good to hear you say that if you move it and you move it to the cloud, don't just see this as cheap storage. Mm -hmm. That's just such a, a pointless thing. Yeah. Apply governance, clean the data yes. up, get rid of junk, you know, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And the AI thing, though, totally agree with you for, um, you know, we call it information governance because that's a trendy term, right? But at the end of the day, it's rules. Yep. It's a set of rules, you know, that's what it is. So why wouldn't an AI machine do that right, better? Right, exactly. Why wouldn't it do it better? But then you've got the potential to do so much more. And I'm just wondering what you see, you know, in a few years' time, because um, you've got your generic AI, right? You've got your generic Google, mm -hmm. Amazon, and they're great at generic tasks. Mm -hmm. But as you know, and as you were just discussing, your customers have very specialist needs. I mean, we've just launched the AI training course with AIM that was mm. this week, actually. Painful. Um, very, like, climbing Everest backwards to get that out the door. <laughs> Uh, all our fault, I will say. But, you know, we got that out the door. And, you know, the key thesis of that is don't be scared of AI. Mm -hmm. It's really not that scary. You don't need to have a PhD. You don't need to be a data scientist. It's really not that scary. It's a tool. Right. It's a tool. And it really all comes down to the quality of your data and your team and monitoring and looking at it. But... I set that as a sort of context because we are all talking about AI, mm -hmm. but we've talked to a lot of enterprises and we've found very few who are really doing anything. And it seems to be fear. Thanks for listening to the Deep Analysis podcast today. There's a second part of this coming up soon. And uh, in the meantime... If you've got any thoughts, any ideas, any comments, any feedback, uh, then do reach out to us. And remember, if you need any help with your ECM, BPM, AI, blockchain, you know, general information process management uh, needs, uh, also do think about us at Deep Analysis. That's www.deep-analysis.net. Um, but I'm pretty easy to find on social media, so I look forward to hearing from you soon. And... Uh, Again, do join us for part two of this terrific conversation with Bernadette Nixon, the CEO of Alfresco.